Hi, this is Marlene, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com. Go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Strange Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. This is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How's everybody doing? Good. Good. That's good. As always, I'm doing good. You know, um, and uh, everything is great out here. Uh, what can I say? Because everybody asks me, what's your adventures on the property? Because every time, every week, something else has happened. Well, let's see. My chickens are okay. Like I told you before, I've got my guinea, my guinea hen on some eggs. You know, uh, for any of you that saw <clears throat> one of my previous shows, I did like a short clip of the property. And I have really, really old live oaks. And at the base, these live oaks have these very large roots. And she kind of made herself. I had a piece of wood leaning against it. And she snuck in there. And she made this great nest for herself. And she's there. And I've been checking on her. Because to be honest with you, I worry about her. Because she's not in the coop. She's basically out in the property. And uh, I, uh, as a matter of fact, I checked on her right before. The last time... I know she must have had, I swear, like 20 something eggs at least. I don't know if she can hatch all of them, but she's on them. And I leave food out for her, but uh, she's doing everything that I see when they're, they, they, they're going to hatch the, um, the, the eggs. So let's see what happens. I'll keep you guys posted on that. And then my other exciting thing is the other day we had kind of some rough weather. Uh, branch came down. I mean, I've got some uh, poles put in my property. Cause it's very dark out here. This is rural folks like dark, <laughs> like no city lights dark. So we paid a little bit of extra and we have light poles with those lights that turn on at, at nightfall. We paid to have those put on the property. You know, people think because of security and it's just not only the, the security part. It's just that if we ever go out at night, we won't uh, like bust our, you know, what out there <laughs> because it's very dark out here. So yeah, a branch came down, bring, brought one of the lines down. I was like, oh, but no, the electric company came out right away and fixed it. So we have light back on. As a matter of fact, some of our neighbors are, oh, that lighting is so nice. Because, of course, besides that, all you had was porch lights, which out here in the middle of the country, when it's very, very dark, doesn't do anything for you at all. But anyway, let's get on to the good part. The good part has to do with who I have as a guest for tonight. And this is a first-time guest at Stories of the Supernatural. His name is Mr. Jim Willis. And uh, Jim is, let me tell you, I, I told him right before we started recording, uh, 
he never a dull moment. Let me tell you this. He he's a very, very busy man, or like he told me he was. Uh, he worked as a high school band teacher by day and divided his nights and weekends as a symphony trombonist, a jazz musician, a choral conductor on Sunday mornings. He uh, earned his master's degree in religion and entered the Protestant ministry for 40 years. He's authored 12 books on religion and spirituality and served as adjunct college professor in the fields of world religions and instrumental music. He worked part-time as a carpenter, hosted his own drive-time radio show. He was a council director and guest lecturer speaking on historical studies to contemporary spirituality. He produced the one-volume encyclopedia of religion titled The Religion Book in Armageddon, now written with his wife, Barbara. And he's made several cross-country bike trips, which inspired a book trilogy about his experiences. He once retired, <laughs> he wrote <laughs> The Dragon Awakes, Rediscovering Earth Energy, Ancient Gods, and Supernatural Gods. And his recent books include Lost Civilizations, The Quantum Akashic Field, and Hidden History, Ancient Aliens, and the Suppressed Origins of Civilizations. I'd like you to help me welcome him. How are you doing, Jim? <laughs> Thank you, Marlene. Boy, you made you made me sound so interesting. Thank you. Oh, man, I was reading that, and I was like, did he? Oh, what three hours sleep? Wow. <laughs> well, you. Yeah, it's it's been fun. I always say, if you can't do anything well, do a lot of different things. You know, so <laughs> <laughs> I've tried to tried to keep my hand in a lot of things. No, I can. I believe it. You were like, that's a lot. Oh my God, that was what you were up with the crack of dawn and it's like, okay, well, we'll get a couple of hours of sleep and then back up. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I've, I've, I've always been interested in, in a wide range of things and uh, they are kind of connected. When I went into the ministry, when I became a Protestant minister and got the Reverend in front of my name, uh, I, if if I had gone to do that, I never would have gone to a music school. But it turns out that going to music school is the best thing you can be for when, when you're going to be a minister because you have to use so much music. And uh, as for all the other things, they just kind of led one thing one thing to the other, and uh, it's it's been a fun been a fun life. But uh, I'm I'm 75 years old now and uh, slowing down quite. A Later I'm on, I'm going to ask you to define that slowing down because might, <laughs> might be, that's what you call that slowing down. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I understand what you mean as far as, um, but still, I was like, well, uh, well, I, 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 I used to do long distance biking myself. Not that, oh, really? not definitely like you. I, I used to do, I think the, the longest I did was the, um, you know, the, the different charities, they would do the, sure. I did, I was never one of these guys girls you know with but i want to say it was mostly guys you know i had these ultra yeah. light bites with the helmet and the this i i just i was just happy that i crossed the finish line but uh, i think it was multiple sclerosis had a two-day 150 mile trek that's the longest yeah. i ever did wow that's um, that's that's great let me tell you it, that, it, i told everybody that night my nails hurt <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to take some time off the way back. It's a, it's a, it's, 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 it's a trek. <laughs> the first time I did a hundred miles in a day, I was thinking, oh boy. But yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you you get used to it. Of course, back then I was young and foolish. oh yes, I know, I know. <laughs> I, I, it's a different, it's a different. But even then, but you look at it like, uh, like let me tell you something. Because you told me that you did some of this. I take it what in Florida? Did you do any of the writing in Florida? Um, I just I, we spent uh, five years in Florida. My I, when I retired from ministry that was where my last church was we were just five years there most of my time has been up in new england the reason why i'm saying this is that I, and for anybody that's ever written bikes like when you look at people either going up those hills yeah. you know, in florida the, the good thing as far as south florida is that mostly it's flat 
Yeah, Unless but you're you know, going up one of those bridges that we have, or you're going in against the wind, which is like, oh my god. When I started biking in in Florida, one one of my my uh, big biking loves is to bike uh, rivers. Um, I've done, for instance, the uh, oh the uh, river up, you know, um, can't even think of the name of the river now up up in New England, that uh, uh, and and a couple of other rivers. But when I was down in Florida, I did the length of the um, bicycle, the length of the uh, uh, St. John's. Really? And, oh, yeah. Florida. Wow. And and you know it was it was tough because I know there are no hills to climb, but you don't get a chance to rest either. You have no downhills. Right, <laughs> right. Was, yeah, that's what it was. It was hard. You know, you're going at it all the time. So I yeah. I enjoyed around the St. Johns, and then when I retired and came up here, I wanted to do one more river, so I did the Savannah River. Okay. And uh, from the source to the sea, and that was that was why I had to write a book about that one. So that Imagine, that's my book, they have uh, just Savannah. out of curiosity when you follow that, do they actually have? Uh, are you riding on regular streets? Do they have bike trails for you guys? No, there are very seldom uh, do they have bike trails. There's there's a, a bike trail for a couple of miles along the savannah. Mostly you have to find your way, and a lot of times you can't even see the river. Sometimes you may be even a mile or two away from it. But uh, okay. you can generally you can generally you know by going back and forth stay stay fairly close. Um, and but but it was fun. I I really enjoyed it. At least I don't know about you, but for myself personally, I felt a, a big uh, feeling of accomplishment once I actually finished. Yeah. You know, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah that's well, that, uh, yeah, and and biking can be very meditative, as you I'm sure well know. You yeah. know, the it, it's it's kind of a Zen thing. You know, you mm -hmm. you you got the rhythm, and 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 your mind is just free to go. You can't distract yourselves with all kinds of you know um, iPhones or anything like that. Oh, no, no, and so it's. It, it it can be very nice. Uh, it, it I find it very restful and and very meditative. I'm, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's true. You're valuable. You know, the me personally, I've always liked to do things outside as far as whether it's exercise or anything like yeah. that. So yeah. It, yeah. And usually, a lot of times, the things I participated, they try to route them through scenic areas or scenic, you know, whatever coastlines or stuff like that. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's yeah. it's a very nice, and you get to meet a lot of nice people. Yeah. Oh, that's great. When when I did my uh, my cross country bike trips from California from the Pacific to the Atlantic, I um I I did it years ago, uh, and I've to be honest, I think I experienced the very tail end of something that just doesn't exist anymore because, in you know, in places you can find it, but a couple of the times I've been where I have bicycled before, I've been back visiting and or doing a a tour or a trip or speaking tour or something like that and i'll try to find the roads that uh i bicycled on with these oh neat little restaurants and nice mm -hmm. little mo family motels along the way and stuff they seem to be all gone now all the, my yeah. my the roads that i enjoyed the most are, are super highways now you know and the and the restaurants and yeah. yeah yeah the restaurants are all you know, pretty much the chain stores and, and in order to even find restaurants nowadays, you usually have to find where a couple of highways cross, which means even if you're out in the, in the boondocks biking, you've got to make your way to a, a restaurant or a motel at night, which means finding a highway and then finding the intersections and finding the motels yeah. along the highway. Square. You yeah, see a yeah. lot of closed down buildings now. Yeah. Oh, it's it's so sad. Yeah. It's yeah. so sad. But I've had some wonderful, wonderful experiences meeting people. I, I was I was out I was out in uh, uh, Arizona, uh, and I had uh, out there in those big 
patches of desert sometimes. All, all you can do is follow is is is, is ride near where the, where the interstate goes through. And uh, sometimes, of course, you can't. You have to ride on the interstate sometimes mm-hmm. in Arizona, New Mexico, and I I don't like it. But um, then they they shift you off and they go into these little access roads and stuff. And sometimes they can get a little confusing out there. And one of the, one of the greatest experiences I had, I I was trying to get to Yuma that night, Yuma, Arizona, and uh, I came to this. Uh, I was totally turned around, lost. I didn't know where. I mean, I kind of knew which direction east and west was, but I didn't know where I was. And I didn't know where how to get to Yuma, Yuma, Yuma exactly. And I, I came across this little, oh, this little, uh, uh, small little house out in the middle of nowhere, uh, with a woman out in front, and she was raking, and the chickens were all over the place, and everything else. And um, I stopped, got off the bike, and I said, uh, "How do I get to Yuma?" Well, it turned out she didn't speak any English. She only spoke Spanish and I didn't speak any Spanish. So we jabbered back and forth, smiling at each other. And I kept, you know, so so she went and got her husband. He didn't speak any English either, but we we had, we had fun. Finally, they got their daughter who did speak a little bit of English and she came out and I said, how far to go to Yuma? And as soon as I said the word go to Yuma, all of a sudden the, the, the dawn broke and they knew what I was doing. So so the, 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 the man was giving me directions because as you go, basically this way, two miles this way, two, you know, and everything else. And I finally figured out how to get to Yuma. So I got back on the bike. And as I went away after this wonderful conversation where neither one of us knew what he had, anybody was saying, I, I said, the only words I know in, uh, in, in Spanish. So I just says, gracias. And this woman looked at me who hadn't spoken a word of English. She says, thank you very much. That was the extent of our conversation. <laughs> yeah, but did you, and you found Yuma, I take it, because here I you found, are. I found Yuma that night, right. <laughs> but I'll never, I'll never forget her. I went one time, I did cross country um, from here, Florida, to go to California. And I, you know, that... I think it's, is it I-10 or I know it's a road that takes yeah. you out uh-huh. Uh-huh. to Texas and then New Mexico and Arizona and there's nothing out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we when we were when Barb and I were riding uh, Armageddon. Now we were living in a little trailer out in uh, in Arizona, right above the border, a little town of Nogales. Uh-huh. And while we were out there, oh, I just I fell in love with the desert. But uh, even then, it was different. I mean, we were there. Oh, what twenty years ago? Eighteen years ago now, and uh, the weather has changed so much out there. Our, really? We 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 talk to people who live out there now. And it's it's just nothing for the temperature to get up above 110 in Phoenix and just stay there the whole. Oh time. my God! And forget okay. this business about being dry heat. 110 is 110. No, it is. It is. It is. <laughs> I don't care if it's dry I or wet. Part of that uh, trip, as a matter of fact, on purpose, I took I did it at nighttime. But yeah. you see a lot of those. Uh, I guess you know, constantly where people can pull over. I guess if the car. Oh overheats. yeah. Mm-hmm. See it a lot. And yeah. I was like, oh, my God, this is in the middle of the day. I can imagine at noontime. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. But, you have to uh, be careful. And you have to be careful in those things on a bicycle because there's cactus thorns there. And the cactus thorns will pierce the bicycle tires. Man, I had more flat tires coming through the desert. Really? You know yeah. what? There was one. I, I, can't remember if it, I, I can't remember if it was Arizona or New Mexico. That You know how usually as you're going down these roads, you know, at the exits, you, you at the very least get a, a gas station or something. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. All of a sudden, we pass one. There's like nothing, and then we see this sign that says, "What was it? Close to a, some type of prison. Do not pick up any hitchhikers." Oh. <laughs> I can't remember if it was Arizona or New Mexico uh, that we were traveling through. Yeah, it could and have been. It was like, okay, no, don't worry. I'm not about. To. And then I realized that that's why they didn't have any type of businesses off yeah, the exit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No gas station, nothing. When we were living out there, uh, we would see a lot of people coming up, uh, you know, who had crossed over the border, swam the river, or crossed over through the mountains, and were making their way up, you know, illegal immigrants. And um, very rarely did they speak English, but uh, my wife Barb speaks Spanish, so we would see them out there. And uh, sometimes, you know, these coyotes would bring them across and drop them off and say, yeah. if you walk for two or three hours, you'll get to Phoenix. Well, if you drive for two or three hours, you get to Phoenix. Leave them off in the desert with no water, no I nothing. I, I, and I, I, it was just I, I, terrible. I, yeah. Because I can imagine that that uh, without water, I, and like you said, in that type of temperature, mm -hmm. anybody's going to uh, basically pass out. And, I, and, I, and I've heard that. Every once in a while, well, not every once in a while, more often than not, they do come across uh, people that have passed away. And basically, they've died of exposure. Mm -hmm. yeah, they let them loose, and it's like, make your way. Yeah, sad to say, that's that happens often. And, uh, you're in New England, then you're off. You're left uh, all the the hot weather and. and uh, yeah, we left. We left New England to go out to Arizona, and we were out there for a couple of couple of years. Had some wonderful talks while we were doing Armageddon. Now, um, the end of the world, A to Z. We like to call it 500 pages of light reading about all the different ways the world can end. Yeah, well, well, <laughs> well, 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 I uh, ask you real quick, because I see that you you wrote the. These books on religion, spirituality, yeah, and yeah. then you did the the religion book and the Armageddon. And mm -hmm. was there a, a specific reason or something happened that triggered that you wanted to write these this book? Well, it it's 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 been a journey. It really has. Um, you know, if you have time, I'll tell you the tell you yeah. the story because I my first book that I wrote was about bicycling. It's a book called Journey Home. Um, and it was about a bicycle trip I made from Florida, where my folks lived in Sarasota, up to New England. And that book, uh, at the time I wrote that book, I was also teaching, uh, I was a professor of uh, comparative religion, uh, world teaching world religions at a college up in, um, in Massachusetts. And uh, that book, Journey Home, got into the hands somehow of an editor at Visible Inc., and they were looking for someone who could do a book uh, on on religion, and they wanted a kind of an encyclopedia of religion, ABC, and now that kind of thing. And so uh, she called me and asked if I was interested, and of course I said yes. And it worked out very well because what I did basically was use the uh, the syllabus that I was that I had written for for my course on different world religions. And uh, I had written a glossary for the for the students, so they would have, you know, every time they came into school, I would give them two or three pages of of terms that they would use, and so I just kind of really amplified that until out popped the religion book, and uh, after that, Visible Inc. Uh, asked me to do a kind of a follow up book, and they asked if I might do something about. Um, uh, at, at that time, especially, there was a lot of talk about. Oh, you know, there were a lot of the end of the world and conspiracy things were starting and everything else. And okay. there was a lot of talk about all the things that can go on. And so uh, that out of that came Armageddon, um, Armageddon now. And then um, 
I went kind of a hiatus for a while because I was going through a strange time in my life. I was, I was a minister, so I was involved in in churches, and and I had my own church. I was a pastor of a church, and I, I discovered something kind of strange when I went into ministry back in oh seventy two, seventy three, nineteen seventy three, something like that. Um, when I went into ministry, uh, I kind of expected because I. I had a, a spiritual bent. I wanted my spiritual questions, or the the big questions: Who are we? You know, what's on the other side? What? Where are we at? And all this kind of stuff. And so I wanted to ask those questions. And I had the misguided idea that somehow, if I was in a church, I would be surrounded by this community of like-minded people, and we'd all be growing together spiritually and everything. And it doesn't work that way. You know, it, it, it's a business like everything else. You've always got the next meeting, you've got the next church service, you've got the next sermon, you've got the next subject of, of lectures, you've got the, the next seminar, and always the next, the next, you know, always thinking. And after 40 years of this, when I wound up my ministry in, in Florida, um, in, I was 62 years old, I was really too young to retire, but I needed to confront this essential reality that I had been um, preaching about my whole life. I needed I, I needed to connect with spirit. I, I, I was preaching about it and teaching about it, but I wasn't experiencing it. And so I came out here in the woods and I decided I was going to, you know, take God on. <laughs> I was going to wrestle with him. I even had a, a Bible verse that in my mind. Uh, the Bible verse uh, comes from the book of Genesis, uh, the, the story of Jacob and Esau, who were two brothers, and Jacob defrauded his brother Esau of the birthright and had to flee for his life. And uh, after a long time, Jacob spent up, up north in what we now know as Turkey, Anatolia, probably around the same place where Gobekli Tepe is and all that kind of stuff. He finally mm -hmm. came back to he, he finally came back to be reunited with his brother, and uh, the night before they were going to be reunited, Jacob was on one side of the river, Esau was on the other, and uh, Jacob was worried. He didn't know what kind of a, a you know greeting he was going to get, and he didn't know what his brother was going to say or do, and so he was pacing back and forth. And it's a strange story about how all of a sudden this being appears to Jacob, and Jacob starts to wrestle with him. And uh, it said they wrestled all night. Now, why? I don't know, but that's what the story says. Okay. And they wrestled all night until finally, as the dawn broke, Jacob realized that he was wrestling with God, according to the story. And Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And it was a very, very powerful story. And uh, so finally, uh, Jacob loses the battle and God puts his hip out of joint and everything else. But Jacob wrestled with God saying, I will not let you go until you bless me. And when I came, when I retired, um, oh, 13 years ago now, when I retired and came out here to the woods, that was the verse that was in my mind. I wanted to confront God and I wanted to say, I will not let you go until you bless me. And it was, it was really a prayer. Uh, I wanted to confront the essential metaphysical, supernatural, paranormal spirit, whatever we want to call it. Mm -hmm. And my my prayer was answered uh, over the years. It wasn't answered within the confines of Christianity. Uh, that's not how it came. It came about through a process that now would 
probably be called much closer to uh, to paganism, to shamanism. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's where I found that reality. Um, and that that verse, and so that's what I came out here, and that's where all the books started and everything else. I, I have to tell you one follow-up to this story, though, because yeah. a couple of years ago, I was asked to go over to Cornwall in the UK mm -hmm. and uh, give a, a, a seminar over there about the, um, the the roots of world religions. And uh, so I went over, I flew into London and took the train down and stopped and saw Stonehenge and uh, you know, Salisbury Cathedral. And, it, and I met this wonderful group of people down there in, in Cornwall. But when I, when I finished the seminar and uh, it, it was wonderful, successful time, I still have good friends from that time. I decided there was something I had to do. I had to rent a car and drive up to this little town called Fenny Compton, which is up uh, northwest uh, of London, because my ancestors used to preach in the old stone church in Fenny Compton. It still stands. It's still being used. Uh, they were they were members of the uh, Church of England, and uh, they were you know pastors there, and they would preach in this pulpit and everything else. And so. When I got up to Fenny Compton, I stayed at this wonderful little bed and breakfast and had fish and chips and all the rest of the stuff that you do in England. And the next morning, I met the town historian who took me into the church, and uh, she let me in, and I was able to stand there where my great, 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 however many great ancestors used to, to wow. preach. And there was a big plaque on the wall saying Willis and everything else. Well, I went to stand up in this pulpit, and I saw a stained glass window that you could only really see well from the pulpit. It was situated that that was the stained glass window that the minister would see every single Sunday. And my great, great ancestor looked at that stained glass window every single Sunday. And the stained glass window was, lo and behold, a, a picture of Jacob wrestling with God, really? saying, I will not let you go until you bless wow. me. Now, how that was passed down through my spiritual DNA down that five or six or seven generations. I don't know, but uh, I just, I, I wonder sometimes, you know, what they would think of me. <laughs> they would probably not, probably not consider me Christian anymore, but yeah, they would. Well, <laughs> but, yeah, like what you said, you know how they say about genetic memory, because that's incredible. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah. The importance of that as far as your family when you went there on purpose because yeah, yeah. it was your one opportunity. I think yeah. I, I, I think I was I was led there. I really think I had to close the circle. I, I, I really think so. There's 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 forces much bigger than all of us at work in the oh, world. I'm I'm not I'm not really as comfortable with the word with the word God anymore that I used to be, because um, when I say the word God and somebody else says the word God, it's too easy to think that we know what the other person is talking about when we may have totally different conceptions sure. um, about what God is or what spirit is or Manitou or source or whatever ground of being. Right, whatever. Whatever. Uh, the divine, yeah. what, however you want to like. Yeah. Uh, but, but there's no question about it. I came looking for God and uh, found that, my current understanding of God here in the woods, and I'm sure that my ancestors uh, somehow had something something to do with bringing me here, and I'm sure that it had something to do with closing the circle when I went back to talk to them again. It was it was uh, it was quite an experience. I can imagine that historian must have been thrilled when you walked in through the door mm. and you told them who you were. 
Oh yeah, when when she saw when she heard my name and she took me right to the plaque where that says uh, the you know Reverend Willis preached here and then gave the dates and everything else up on the wall, and then she took me around back to the church where now there's just a a mound of 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 grass um, you know ground covered with grass, but that's where the uh, the parsonage was that where he lived for so mm -hmm. long and mm -hmm. and um, where my ancestor lived and it was it was quite a time quite a time I'll I'll never forget the experience that's for sure. Let me ask you something, Jim. In that book that you were writing, as far as well, part of the, the Armageddon, mm -hmm. um, do you describe Armageddon as literally as Armageddon or? Well, that was. That, or the effects of, how can I say it, without yeah. being literally what's described in the Bible? I, I, I know what you mean. Um, to be honest, I think it was a very unfortunate title uh, because the book itself, it, it, although. Strangely enough, it's it's out of date. But talk about serendipity! This this very morning, I wrote a letter to my publisher. Says, you know, that book is twenty years old. Maybe it's time we redid it. And uh, so, <laughs> who knows what who knows what's going to happen or not? But he wanted to use the uh, the word Armageddon because you know he thought the biblical thing. But it, it it isn't about the biblical idea of Armageddon as we read in the Book of Revelation. It really talks about all of the different ways um, the world or societies or civilizations or cultures could collapse. And so the word Armageddon was really used as a metaphor. And I think it probably turned some people away from the book because they thought it was just going to be another religious, you know, tome based on the book of Revelation or something like that. And, and it's, it's not that at all. But um, so we, we used it as a metaphor. Um, but then again, I, I think it can be a very valuable metaphor because even as it's used in the Bible, everybody thinks of, thinks of Armageddon as being the end. And it's, it's not, um, there's a brand new beginning on the other side. And I like to say that, um, between what was and what shall be, there is always a time of chaos. I think we're in a time of chaos right now. Um, I, I think what we used to be and what we are going to be is now separated by this chaotic time in which we live with fire and flood and famine and war and pestilence and pandemic and everything else. Well, I think that everybody, and, we, most humans are resistant to change, even yeah, regular yeah. change. Oh, yeah. So even so yeah. now everybody's like. Um, yeah. And, and, and it takes. Uh, I, I think it takes a, a time of chaos. I like to describe it as, you know, when, when the Roman Empire fell and collapsed, mm -hmm. uh, Europe settled into what we now call the Dark Ages. Mm -hmm. And that was the time of chaos. But within the Dark Ages, even, there were seeds that were, that were starting to flower until they finally burst forth into bloom in the Enlightenment. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was that time of chaos. And so... I, I get discouraged like everybody else is with what's going on in the world, you know, right now in these days. Right. But I, I still can't help but think that there is a, there are enough people who are trying to evolve spiritually that the seeds are being sown to look at the world in a different way and uh, experience different things. And uh, all of this dissension, for instance, between religion, people talk about all oh, the, the death of religion and the, all this kind of stuff. Then they say, well, as, as a former minister, doesn't it bother you, you know, to see the churches falling apart and fighting with each other and, uh, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it bothers me. But on the other hand, uh, it almost had to be because uh, we live in a time when religion 
even now in our day, it, it often is being weaponized. Yeah. Uh, my my oh, God against you. your God. And uh, I often like to think of Moses and Jesus and Muhammad and the Buddha could all get together and some of the ancient Hindu rishis along with uh, uh you know, the, some of the Chinese philosophers and everything else, Confucius and Lao Tzu, if they could all sit down together, and they didn't live that far apart in history. A lot of them were, right. were you know, about the same time, 500 years before, you know, 500 BCE. Um, a lot of them, uh, if they would just sit down and, and, and talk to their followers who have built these complicated uh, doctrine fenced in dogma type religions, I don't think they ever intended any of that. No, Most of those, they all started with a, a shamanic experience. They all had a vision of, of, of God that was different and unique. And they tried to convey that, that, that vision. Uh, Moses at the burning bush, Jesus went out into the wilderness. Uh, um, Muhammad went to the cave and all the other kinds of things. And if, 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 if the followers had been faithful, the world would be a different thing. But instead they built this idea saying, my guru, my founder's vision is the right, right one. <laughs> right. Well, and, I, I, guess, I think that happens with any religion. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think you're right. When the, like you said, it's used to, to drive division instead of yes. unity. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 or, and or like once, you said, when it's weaponized and it's, and yeah. that, that's when things go, uh, for lack of a better word, south. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't really fulfill the intent, I think, the original intent. Exactly. Um, exactly. Which I, is love I think and that, unity and understanding among humans. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and uh, all the other books kind of sprung from that since I've been up here. Uh, I started writing, um, well, Dragon Awakes, of course, which is now out of print, but that was my introduction to dowsing and earth energies. And then after that, uh, the publisher wanted a, a book about lost civilizations uh, or, or ancient gods, rather. Mm -hmm. uh, who were the ancient gods? You know, all the different possibilities of ways of interpreting um, who who were the ancient gods that these people were writing about. And that led to supernatural gods. And, of course, that mm -hmm. led to lost civilizations and then hidden histories. And, and then uh, the quantum Akashic field, which is really my only book about my only book that, that is seriously about dowsing. But uh, it's a it's a book. Have you always been involved with dowsing, Jim? Or did that no. come about? After? No, I, I didn't believe in it for my whole life. Uh, uh, I was up here. I was probably 63 years old. And um, I had. You know, I I had never believed in dowsing. I, I just didn't. I, I didn't think that uh, that it had any common sense. I was a very left-brain theologian, you know, yeah. all my life. And I came up here. One morning, I decided I don't know why I wanted to learn how to douse. So I, and the only kind of dowsing I knew was dowsing for water. So I went down to the local hardware store, and uh, they didn't have any dowsing rods. I can't imagine why the hardware store, would, but they were—they didn't have any dowsing rods. But they—they they did have some heavy gauge copper wire. Okay. So I—I I got you know two pieces of copper wire and cut them into about eighteen inches long and bent them into the shape of a letter L and. I you know saw on the internet that when you walk across water they're supposed to cross or open up or something like that. So I went out with the dowsing rods and walked out my front yard. I, I walked across I don't know how many acres, nothing. Struck out. 
totally. Even when I went to the place where I knew the water line was that ran from our well to the house. Not even that. Because huh? because I built the house and I saw we, we drilled the well. So I knew where the water line was. Nothing. Couldn't get a thing. So I came back inside and went back to the internet and I heard about this crazy thing called dowsing for energy, earth energy. Okay. And uh, that sounded kind of fascinating. So I went outside concentrating on earth energy and took the step that has changed my life uh, 13 years ago. It changed my life completely. Um, I, I was The dowsing rods were just like two sticks in my hand, nothing happening. And all of a sudden, concentrating on earth energy, I took one step and they just they uh, swung together so much they almost hit me in the face. Yeah, and I, couldn't that, believe, huh? I couldn't believe it. So I stepped back and I, I kept on getting Barb. I said, Barb, watch me. Make sure I'm not moving my hands. Make sure not. And I discovered a river of energy flowing right through our property. This is about 87 and a half inches wide. And I discovered we had built our house right on an energy line. And we were living in a place which was extremely loaded with energy lines in and out and everything else, because it turns out this was not only a place where ancient people uh, some would, would sometimes bury their dead, but they would also come, and it's a rock quarry, and every year okay. they would come back and they would get these rocks that they would use uh, to make their, make their tools, uh, quartz mm -hmm. tools, and, and even before that. And so this was a very energetic area, and I'm sure we were just drawn to it, but we didn't know it at the time. And uh, so I, oh boy, I went crazy then. I started dowsing for earth energies. And then uh, always, I, when, I decided, when I came to understand how you can ask yes or no questions, and the rods would always cross in front of me for a yes and remain solid for, you know, still for a no. And all of a sudden, I asked one kind of a question, and something weird happened inside me, and both rods swung to the right. And now that had never happened before. They had either crossed or stayed still. Both rods swung to the right. And all of a sudden, I began to ask some questions and uh, discovered, lo and behold, uh, a spiritual entity uh, that I even gave a name to him uh, because the name was just stuck in my head, Sobuko. And okay. Sobuko became kind of a spirit guide. And it took about three years before I finally figured out who Sabuco was. What, what, what was the question that you asked that your rods did that? I, I, I said, um, oh, it was something about, um, am I understanding this? Um, no, is, is, can you explain this to me uh, better if I ask better questions? And then both rods oh, swung okay. to the right. All right, okay. And it took about two or three years of having this conversation with Sabuko before I finally found out who Sabuko was. Uh, Sabuko is me on the other side. Okay. Uh, he was that the spiritual entity that we call in, in Christianity, we refer to guardian angels. Mm -hmm. um, and we refer to, uh, you know, spirit guides in some cases or, or uh, helpers or something like that. Okay. And uh, lo and behold, I, it, it changed my, my life completely because up to that time I had the idea that I was kind of the center of the universe and everything else was around me. And all of a sudden I realized, no, I am a projection into the material world from the okay. real reality on the other side. That's the okay. real me is yeah. eternal on the other side, still there. And 
I am the projection into material world of that entity called Sabuko. So uh, I tell about this story in the quantum Akashic field, and from there came... Oh, my first out-of-body experience and then learning how to do out-of-body experiences and then going up to Monroe Institute uh, um, where, you know, they, they're doing some tremendous work up there and studying with Bill Buhlman for a week, who I consider one of the great teachers today uh, in out-of-body experiences. Okay. And for a, <laughs> for a conservative Christian minister to all of a sudden turn and change completely, uh, it, 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 it all happened, uh, uh, and I didn't expect it. You know, it was totally, totally, un, 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 and it all happened because I said to God, to spirit, to whatever, I will not let you go until you bless me. And uh, you didn't know what you were asking for, in other words. No, you I didn't. <laughs> and the, the prayer was answered in ways that I never, never would have expected at all. That and you and does that? Let me ask you: Do you think that the entity Sabuko had? It, and when you said like a guardian angel or or a spirit god that it's it's been with you always from the moment oh, of yeah. your birth yeah i think so uh, as a matter of fact i i i think i i like to consider the different religions of the world i used to explain it to my students the different religions of the world are are really like software that you use to access the hardware uh, the hardware is spirit the hardware is god or manitou that's that's the hardware. And all of these different religions are software that we use. And you can get really good on, on one piece of software and you can really learn how to use it so you can access and manipulate the hard drive. The trouble is that the software doesn't speak to each other. If I'm using one kind of software and somebody's using another kind of software sometimes. So I think what I had to do was in my own case, and I'm not saying everybody's like this course, but in my own case, I think I had to learn one kind of software really well uh, and become very familiar with it so that I would have access to the hard drive to God. And in my case, Christianity was the software that I, I learned. To this day, I, I still call myself a Christian, although I'm sure there are many, many Christians out there who don't consider yeah. me to be a Christian. But uh, to this day, uh, I still call myself a Christian, but it, a totally different kind. When I read, when I read the Bible now, or when I think of the great tenets of Christianity, uh, everything from what does the virgin birth mean to what does Armageddon mean to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, all this kind of thing. Um, it, it's nice to be grounded in something so that you can have something to relate to. But to this day, I get a kick out of it because I was like most Christians, you know, you, you talk to me about angels and you are, you talk to me about spirit guides and all this kind of stuff. And I would say, no, you know, you're talking about shamanic experiences and all new age stuff. No. And then at Christmas, we would all stand up together and sing angels. We have heard on high right. or angels from the realm of glory. Or I go back and read the book of Isaiah in the Hebrew scriptures. And the first chapter of Isaiah is a classic shamanic journey. Uh, you know, Isaiah had the, a vision and he actually went had an out-of-body experience in terms of pure shamanism where he went to the other side he ascended to the upper world and there he was given a message of 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 healing and a message for the tribe and then he said you know god said who am i going to send and isaiah said here i am send me and he came back that's exactly what the shaman does coming back with the spiritual wisdom for the tribe um and now 
I go back and I read the Bible and I find, oh, I find unidentified flying objects. I find shamanic journeys. I find angels and spirit guys. I didn't see any of that stuff for 40 years. Uh, and it was there all the time in plain sight. Can you imagine? Let me ask you, do you think that when you were basically being doing what you were doing during those 40 years, when it, I imagine sometimes it's like this would have been too much of a conflict at that point because how would you been. handle something like that? Yeah, yeah, it could have been. I, I, I probably would have had to uh, had to leave the ministry. Right, that's I, what I'm going with. It's like I, if I didn't leave, I might have been kicked out. You yeah, know, no, do you do? And I know you've uh, mentioned shamanism. Uh, anything as far as remote viewing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I haven't had. Uh, as much experience with uh, specifically with remote viewing as a lot of other people that I've talked to, but I, it has happened from time to time and I have been able to, um, to, to find people. Uh, it was really interesting because I, one, one story, uh, I, I had this very vivid dream and I'll make it quickly because it's a long sure. story, but I had a very vivid, vivid dream about my father who passed away and uh, I, I saw him in my dream coming back um, and the dream was very symbolic. He was getting off an airplane carrying a suitcase and he was coming back basically into his next life. And so I knew that he had been um, reincarnated re mm -hmm. and I, I wanted to find him. And uh, with the dowsing rods and with some intense medit medit meditation, um, I even found the city where he was really? and was able to actually go there. And he saw me. Uh, and there were other adults in the room who did not see me. But you know how kids can sometimes see to the other side when the adults yeah. don't see them. Yeah. And he saw me and he recognized him. And I was his spirit helper <laughs> for a while. And uh, I was actually able to locate uh, when I went outside, I was actually able to locate the uh, the street where he was on and, and find the name of it. And I was actually able to find his name. And when I came back into my body and started doing some research, I was actually able to Google the very street, the name of the street and everything else. Wow. And I, I know what his name is. I know where he was. Sad to say, like most kids, by now, this is a couple of years ago, and by now, by now he's been taught by his elders that spirit helpers and imaginary yeah. imaginary friends don't exist so mm -hmm. he, he doesn't see me anymore and i'm finding it very difficult to see him but at least i had that experience it was, I, it was a wonderful experience and 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 to be able to to follow it up to actually find on a map uh, and and google and see the same thing uh right. you know, from, for yourself. yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. so it, it it makes it 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 was quite an experience i know a lot of people even you know people who hear me tell this i don't think i've ever told this this particular story in the air before but you know a lot of people if i tell tell them this kind of story they would just kind of look and smile and say yeah well sure you know but yeah. uh once once you have the experience and once you see it and once yes. you follow it up for yourself i i kick myself now because as a minister um, so many times I was called in the middle of the night to a, a hospital room where one of my parishioners was dying mm -hmm. and I would be there holding their hand and praying with them while they died. And a, a, a number of times, probably a dozen times or more, um, uh, they would have the experience of actually dying, flatlining, and then coming back. Yes. 
and uh, the nurses and the doctors would shove me out of the way and everything else. And then, and then after they were back and after they were stabilized, I, the next day I would have a chance to go and talk to them. And they would tell me these stories about uh, somebody appearing at the bed, uh, at the foot of the bed. Uh, it might have been, depending on their religion, it might have been Jesus or it might have been Moses or it might have been a figure of light or mm-hmm. it might have been a, a family member or something like that. I was a minister, and I just didn't believe any of that stuff. Now, I didn't argue with them. I didn't say, oh, no. I was somebody that was. Yeah, I didn't say, oh, your brain was just shutting down. You know, the blood was shutting down. I didn't do that. But now I'm looking at it, and I realize they did see somebody. They they had a a real out-of-body or near-death experience. And I'm kicking myself that... I lost out on the opportunity to learn so much from those people, most of whom are not alive anymore. But, uh, and I just, through my own ignorance and through my own uh, hard-heartedness and thick-headedness, I, I didn't, yeah, take, didn't take advantage. Of these, um, of these nurses, especially the ones that do that overnight. Yes. Say that once they hear some other patients yeah. start yeah. talking either to deceased yes. family members. Yep. Yeah. They, they already know that there's a very good chance that this person is going to pass away very soon. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Because they say at nighttime is usually when things slow down. Yep. Yep. And I, I've even had nurses tell me that they, uh, going into a dim room, they can actually see something leaving the body when that time comes. Yeah. It, it's phenomenal. Uh, just, yeah. just phenomenal to me. Right. And, and they say, you know, you can't, and they, they say, this is, we've seen this happen even with people, because you could say, well, if it's an elderly person or they have dementia, well, it's just um, a symptom, but they, I, they, they've seen it happen with younger people that are yeah. in there sometimes uh, have a serious, serious health problem or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, they, some of them have even had visuals. Like you said, they've walked into a, a hospital room and they've actually seen like an outline of, somebody there mm-hmm. and then that person has talked or said i saw so and so yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 it's 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 heartbreaking the number of people who have had this experience and are afraid to tell anybody because they don't want to get laughed at you know oh no 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 uh, a, a lot of times it's like you know they they just like keep it to themselves you know it kind of circulates among themselves Mm-hmm. And I've even heard of some doctors that they have those couple of nurses that they know these are my, like, for lack of a better word, those are my divining rods. Yeah. Because when they yeah. talk, hey, take yeah. a look, keep an eye on so-and-so. Yeah. Because of this, they're like, uh, mm-hmm. they pay attention to it. Yeah. yeah. Um, because there's always a couple in the crowd that are really attuned as to what's going on with patients. Right. Even right. even if they seem to sometimes even look to be improving. Yeah. 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 And and, and and you know when when people talk like this they say oh this is uh well it used to be this is new age or this is something different um for the vast majority of time that the human being humans have been on this earth um this has been taken for granted it's really only been in the last couple of hundred two three four hundred years may at the most that um this kind of thinking has become pushed out and the intellectual side came in. Uh, it used to be that people would have these experiences all the time. You go back to ancient Ireland or even Ireland of 500 years ago, mm-hmm. or in some places of Ireland or Scotland even today, where you've got uh, you know people telling stories about the they just call them by different names, you know, leprechauns or right. or or you know fairies or whatever. Um, it, uh, 
for most of the time humans have been on this planet, this was just accepted. People saw it. It almost makes you think, though, and and, and I'm going to say when I say organized religion, I mean organized religion regardless of denomination. Yeah, sure, sure. It's almost like they become jealous of when a yeah. human being divides their attention or their belief. Yeah. To something yeah. that's not in their purview. It's like no, yeah. no, no, that's bad, or you know, yeah. related to the devil. This is where you need to give all your religious or your intent towards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, th this this is so common, um, and it's a central tenet of my my last book is called Censoring God. It's about the uh, the books that didn't make the the cut when the Bible was put together. But you know, basically, when you look at the history, for instance, of Christianity, organized Christianity, um, three hundred years after Jesus, assuming that there was ever a historical Jesus, or whether he's a composite, doesn't make any real difference right now. But some three hundred years after that, um, Constantine wanted to unite the Roman Empire, a far-flung empire that ran from, oh, England all the way over to the near the, the Far East, near the Middle East, you know, and down into Egypt. And so the way to unite it, he used religion. And uh, he wanted, uh, he wanted a, a monolithic type religion that would, uh, in other words, people would have to go, if they wanted to get to God, they had to go through this particular, you know, religious exercise and they had to report to their priests and their denominations and their, I mean, not denominate, but their, their churches. And he eliminated the Gnostics because the Gnostics said, no, everybody can have a direct access to God. Uh, he finally, they were cut off from the, uh, the Eastern church for that so same kind of reason. And basically what he was saying was, we want to stand between you and God. So if you want to get to God, you got to come through us. And it was a power move. It was a, it was. a political move. Yes, and, yes. and and it's it's still being used today. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of months ago, there was big headlines that uh, President Biden uh, was one of the, uh, uh, he was only the second Roman Catholic president we've had. Oh, and uh, although his own personal concerns about uh, you know, abortion, which concerns the Catholic Church, uh, mm -hmm. his own personal concerns are in line with what the church is thinking. His voting record has been very much the opposite because he didn't want to impose his particular religious beliefs on everybody. And so there was a group of conservative priests who met and they were going to withhold communion from the president. He said, you can't you can't take mass and you can't come to mass anymore. Well, according to Roman Catholic tradition, uh, communion is one of the accesses to God, one of the doorways to God. And so what they were basically saying is you can't get to God without going through us. It's a political move. And just a, it's just a shame how what we have what we have done with these religions. Wow. I, I think you're absolutely right when you talk about and, and you our move. In the pro you know that the schism within the Catholic Church that oh, yeah, yeah. brought us into with Martin Luther into Protestantism was because, you know, you had bishops and uh, people selling favors. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You were basically you were you can buy yourself your way into heaven forgiveness <laughs> or My all these things. Uh even if you had done atrocities, if you had committed atrocities and you had maybe you were a landowner or something and you could yeah. You, you had the money, in other words. Yeah, you, got and you remembered all your sins, and it was like, oh, <laughs> not ready to go to the hot place. Hold on. My my favorite story about that was was back in the days of the Inquisition, uh, when the the Roman Catholic Church was building these big cathedrals all over the place, and they had to raise a lot of money. And they had to, by that time, develop an idea of purgatory. The idea of purgatory is a, when we leave here, we go to this place called purgatory. And when you're 
people left behind when they pay enough money or say enough masses or say enough prayers and you get out of purgatory. And there was a, uh, uh, one of the Catholic priests, Johann Tetzel would go from town to town to raise money. And he'd sing this little song. It's an historical song. As soon as a coin in the coffer rings, a soul from purgatory springs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, it's just that, a, that's it's just a that, shame. That, that. And if you didn't, you know, and, and, and people don't realize that back in those years, people truly, truly believed oh, yeah. that they would be damned to hell and a really mm -hmm. horrible things would happen. And yeah. uh, you were excommunicated or yeah. you, you know, as far as no, you know, no baptism for a child. Yeah. I mean, a bunch of, I mean, people truly, it was not like, oh, well, maybe that's not real. They truly believed all of this. So when you, they basically had a very uh, powerful uh, hold. Mm -hmm. On yeah. the population, yeah. yeah. Uh, as far yeah. as that, uh, your soul was in peril. Yep. I believe yep. How can yep. I tell you that? Yeah, and, um, and it was much more political than spiritual, and and yes, it's, yes, it's yes, just yes, a yes. shame, just well, a tragedy. Well, they had, uh, the, they had a, a, and historically, I mean, and, and you've, you've done it, you know, what they did with the Cathars and all different like little mm -hmm. uh, offshoots that were trying to do their own thing. Yes. And if you uh, presented any type of challenge to. You want to say the Vatican or the established? Mm -hmm. uh, they kind of snuffed you out like really quick. Yep. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and yeah, and it's you, we we see it we see it in uh, in Israel right now in 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 yep. Judaism the the schism between the conservative and the liberal and the uh, using religion in a, and we see it especially of course in Islam right now. Uh, all you have to do is look at Afghanistan and, and Sharia, Sharia yeah. law and all the rest. Uh, yeah. it, it's uh, it's just a terrible, terrible thing that we have done with something that was originally a beautiful new way of understanding spirit. And exactly. I, I, I mean, uh, um, the, the intent, you can see the intent, and then, of course, it gets massaged. Yes. It's a nice word. It's massaged yep. Yep. for somebody's um, personal yep. gain, and it's not. But you, in one of your sure. books, you talk about ancient civilizations and aliens. Do yes. you, without knowing the contents of the book, do you believe then that we've had alien contact starting with ancient civilizations? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think we've been visited in the past uh, not only by other uh, beings in who are um, from this galaxy you know from this particular place but also i think from other dimensions uh, i th i think we okay. are being watched uh, yeah so you think as far as and i and you know and i've discussed this sometimes with other people as far as because we always originally thought of extraterrestrials as in coming on a spaceship like light year mm -hmm. travel but yeah. then we think of are we talking inter or intradimensional uh travel exactly exactly uh, exactly versus, uh, uh, you know I, i've i've traveled to different dimensions uh in out-of-body experiences now if i can do it why can't they do it uh and you know people talk about well there can't be aliens visiting earth because of the physics involved well i i think there's ways uh, <laughs> to, to move around <laughs> that are not necessarily subject to the to the physical laws that we have discovered or they or they have some type of um apparatus or something or a pill they take that it's yeah, uh, it's hard to it's, you know what i want to i want to i can't i cannot remember right now who the author was on it well um, it was a sci-fi it was an old it was a short story a sci-fi and, and to me it was like this makes a lot of sense and it's a mm. mission that goes to this distant planet and it's a very inhospitable planet and i believe there was like three people left and 
you know, one of them, they had uh, some type of contraption that basically would allow you to exist in that terrain, whatever it was. It would acclimate you and make you be able to go out there without the spacesuit and all that. Yeah. So they send yeah. the first guy out. He never comes back. They're starting to yeah. get worried something. Yeah. The second one goes out in search of him. They doesn't come back. The third one finally is like, he's ready to leave because he's thinking he's lost his two companions. What it turns out is that after they would go through this process, and of course, this is the very, very abridged version of that short story. What happened is that what seemed to them as human beings, as a very inhospitable planet was harsh. Once they got transformed by this machinery, of course, it's a, a sci-fi story. It was a beautiful place. Yeah. So yeah. all we know, they have one of those <laughs> where they, well, they you know, like, and it's all good to be on Earth. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's the craziest thing. We we talk about these things, and and uh, it used to be that if you talked about in you know other dimensions and cross country mm -hmm. and, and, and entanglement and all these kinds, of, it used to be that if you did that, you were considered you know one of those fire out types. The people who are talking that way now are the physicists. <laughs> They're the yeah. ones talking about the multiverse. They're the ones talking about entanglement, what Einstein called spooky action at a distance. You know, they're the ones that are talking about time travel, um, and it's uh, it, it, it it's an exciting time to live because I think what we're seeing is the the spiritual and the physical, the science and religion, science and spirituality coming together in one road now. And we're just using different language, but we're talking about the same thing. And and I think we're beginning to understand the, uh, with our mathematical uh, equations and things like that, we're beginning to understand with the intellect what the ancients used to interpret through their spirit. And it, it, it can be an exciting time if we just open up and let it let it go. Well, I think a lot of people sometimes they confuse being religious with being spiritual. Yeah. And yeah. I think a lot of people, they would not consider themselves religious per se, but they are very spiritual. In other words, yeah. their spirituality is important to them. They just might not want to do it within the confines of a certain religion per yeah. se. Yeah. But yeah. spiritual. Yeah. And it's not like they've just totally, uh, hey, it's only what I can see and touch and that's it. Yeah. And, yeah. Or, yeah, uh, and, yeah. They're, and they're not agnostic or anything like that. They do totally believe in, if you want to call it a divine being, a creator, whatever you want to title mm -hmm. it. It's just that they believe the way they want to believe, which to me is yeah. fine. Mm -hmm. Because usually if you're that type of person, you have a really hard time, I would say, um, hurting another human being. Um, hurt, mm -hmm. you, you know, it doesn't, it, in other words, and this might be Mar Marlene being generalized. If you have that within yourself, you believe in creation, not destruction. Per se, mm -hmm. you see what I'm yep. saying. Your intent yep. is always to create, yep. not to destroy. And um, yep. so, yeah, sometimes I, I agree with you. I think it's just a, a shifting around with a lot of the uh, very the underpinnings of I don't know. I don't want to say civilizations, but in a way, mm -hmm. our civilization overall. Sure. Dramatic shifts. Dramatic yep. shifts. Yeah, yeah. And um, um, it's it's it's. I, I don't know if it's going to happen in my lifetime or not, but I think we're going to see a a real quantum leap forward and and i think we have to i think we're approaching uh, um, a very very critical point in human history where we can either destroy ourselves or save ourselves 
hopefully. Jim, do you think that we're ever going to have, and I'm glad you brought that up because I say that in my lifetime, it's like, <laughs> that they're ever actually going to have an official disclosure as to the existence of extraterrestrials or or our contact as in modern humans with extraterrestrials? Oh, I think so. I, 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 that's my personal belief. Um, you know, people talk about uh, we're, we're being watched and I kind of, I kind of agree with that. Uh, we're being, we're being watched uh, and, and, and tried uh, in, in right now, if we were able to take our own brand of uh, hate and warfare and everything else out there into the, mm -hmm. into the galaxy or into other dimensions, it, it would be a terrible thing. We would just take our human failings with us. And I think we are, are being watched to see, and I think this has happened in the past too, for uh, earlier civilizations. Um, they would reach a certain point and they had to make a decision. Are we going to save ourselves or destroy ourselves? And if the, uh, if the choice is made to save ourselves and to act on our best nature, our better nature, rather than all the other stuff, then all of a sudden we become worthy to continue. Otherwise we're not. And so the decision is not going to be made, I don't think, by an entity from outside. I think it's something that we're going to have to, if we're going to look for a savior, it's got to be within the human heart. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I, I hear so many people hearing that they think the ETs are going to save us. And it's like, I think you need to realize that uh, it's yeah. all about us. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, we we have to we have to prove ourselves. We have to we have to graduate. <laughs> yes, so. what would it, what, what, you know, you hear about the, uh, the the thirty year old that's still living at home in the basement, or it's yeah. okay. We need to like get on out and do our thing. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm seeing all kinds of strange things happen to the screen. Does that? No, does that it's mean, it, you were. I sometimes the um. The, you were slowing down. You were getting coming oh. in a little bit choppy. So I was trying to like. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> I see. Yeah, yeah, I, was like, I, oh, I lost him, and it's blinked out on me a couple of times. I didn't know. I know that. Uh, I, I I didn't know what our time was here, and I didn't. I thought maybe something no, was starting to say. I, I got that. <laughs> but anyway, I, I don't. I, I wanted to thank you, Jim, for joining us. It has been mm. great. Um, oh, thank you, thank you. Well, it's good, good to be with you, Marlene. It has been absolutely fantastic. Are you going to be writing a new book, or are you just going to go on back and revise your your older one? No, I am. I, I just finished uh, my first audio book. We're in the midst of final yeah. production right now, which is my first work of fiction. It's called The Wizard in the Wood. And um, then uh, oh, we've got a number of ideas. I'm working on a, uh, a trilogy right now of spiritual applications of ancient stories. For instance, the Merlin, the magician story, or the uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, and or I mean, uh, uh, or even Robin Hood is going to enter into that. So I've got a lot of different projects in in in, in the works. Fantastic! That's if, great. if people want to, if uh, if anybody's listening and they want to find out what's what's going on, uh, my website is at uh, jimwillis.net, www.jimwillis.net, and it also introduces you to my YouTube page. Uh, we have a series of YouTube videos about dowsing, and uh, it leads you to my. Uh, well, we're also on the YouTube page. We're doing a uh, uh, a series of uh, uh, little books about spiritual lessons from nature. Uh, okay. So far, we've so far we've talked about butterflies and and 
cardinals, birds. So that's that's all coming up. So if you want to look at jimwillis.net, uh, it'll keep you informed of all the different stuff that's going on. I have a link to your, your website on the credits of the show, Jim. So, but I'm, I'm glad you gave out that information for the podcast. Thank you. Listener. Thank you very much. Thank you. And I want to wish you the best of luck. And I'll be keeping tabs on you so you can come back. Oh, uh, I hope so, Marlene. Marlene, it's yes, great talking to you. Yes, yes, Wonderful. Take so care. We'll see, you we'll see you next time. Absolutely. You got it. Bye-bye. Bye now. Wow. Hmm. That's incredible. That's he's such a, let me tell you that I was so thrilled to find somebody to bring a guest that was a dowser. Because I have, I'm a dowser over there. You can't see them because they're hung on my closet door. I have my bag and I have my L, my what they call L rods. They're very basic. And I've done, I've used them for dowsing. And uh, even when I was doing um, paranormal work, I would do the dowsing. Um, sometimes to either locate um, energy fields, uh, sometimes even portals. Uh, I've used them with communications with entities. The thing is that with the, with the dowsing, as far as the rods, you kind of limited because you can, for example, you can only ask kind of questions like um, yes or no. Or for example, if we wanted to try to narrow down, um, let's say uh, the age, you would say, are you between, this is an example, 10 or to 15 years of age? It would say yes or no. You've got to know, then you would go to the next five. Then if you want to narrow it down, but my point being that uh, using the, the dowsing rods and that type of work, you got to either have a lot of patience because it's time consuming, but a lot of the information I got absolutely, you know, when you, you're working then with an intelligent entity is my point when you've got, uh, when you're using the dowsing rods for that. Uh, and some of the best proof of activity I've gotten with using the dowsing rods. Uh, stuff that later on, even answers that we got were, um, as a matter of fact, one of the times we had a, this was in an apartment of all things. And I was asked to come in from another, another group had already been there. And they said, you know, they asked for me to come in to help them out. And I said, sure. And uh, the leader of that group, she knew I had worked with Dalsam Rods. She asked me to bring them. I said, okay, fine. And she was handling all the equipment, the cameras. And I was like, okay, I'm great. I'm, I'm doing my. And she, this girl was now living. She had, was married, uh, had a baby. Can't remember if it was a boy or girl, but like a toddler. They lived in an apartment. And then out of the blue, she had not been living there that long, but then all the blue stuff started going crazy in her and the household. And she just couldn't figure it out. And then she, the only tip off she had was one day she has this very, very vivid dream where she sees a, a guy she used to it's really funny. This guy she used to know. He, I want to say she was. She really. She. She liked him. 
but I want to say he was involved with somebody else. It was one of those things where, you know, people meet and there's that chemistry and then just, just don't connect. They don't, he, I, I think he was already in a relationship. One of those where for different reasons, he ships off to war. I want to say it was, this was back. I want to say it was early 2000. So I think it was Afghanistan. I want to say he was, well, bottom line, he went off to Afghanistan and he got killed. He got killed in Afghanistan. And, um, you know, once he left, she kind of lost touch with him. They traded letters a couple of times, but then, she, you know, she did her thing. She did his thing. Remember, this was many years ago that I had this experience. So she, I want to say, I can't remember now. She have, She just had a dream, a really vivid dream with him out of the blue. Uh, where he, she sees him. And I think this was, I, I want to, if I remember correctly, this was the one time that she kind of like wondered because she says, I, you know, after we lost touch and time passed, I, I really didn't think about him. I never dreamt about him. And she says it was such a vivid dream that I think this was along the time that she started trying to find out if something had happened to him. Okay. And, um, they asked me to do a dowsing. I, I went to, I mean, she had different things happening to her and I went into the bedroom and, and she gave me like a, a list of questions to ask. And she left. She, I went to the bedroom and I closed the door and I asked, I asked, was it him? He said, yes. I asked, um, you know, do you have this type of car? You know, I, I, it was like, is it this car, or this car, you know, we, and basically it was, it took like an hour. So I came out and I said, well, whoever's in there, this is what they told me. Basically, he gave all the right information about his name, gave the right information about the last car that she knew that he had, gave all the right information about things I had no idea. In other words, you know, if anybody's thinking, okay, Marlene, you were maneuvering these uh, dousing rods subconsciously, or you were picking this information out of your subconscious mind, I had no idea anything whatsoever about this guy that ended up getting killed. And basically the, the story was he almost wanted, it, it, besides saying like Alaska goodbye, um, all these people, you know, her and him, they were in their twenties. They were young. Was this regret because it was almost like you were the one that I was meant to be. And I'm sorry that I, and almost like, you know that thing of like, I could kick myself for not being with you. You know, in other words, part of what the thing was, was that he couldn't get over the fact that he he lost his chance to be with her, for them and her to be together. Because he stayed with that person, he went off and he got killed. That's it. it I mean, she's alive. She has a child. She married somebody else. But he... That in, in other words, if, if for lack of a better word, it was almost like he was hanging out a little bit because of regret, you know, regret. Like I, I should have done this. I should have been with you. Um, and now I know I never can be. So we, um, we kind of did like later on, we did like a, a conversation with him and, but we kind of told her, I said, look, you know, we could tell him this and, and everything, but it's never going to be the same as in you telling him this yourself. Because I, he knew he was dead. In other words, this was not a spirit that was caught up thinking, I'm still alive. 
this was somebody that knew that they were dead, but was just filled with this regret over, you know, missed opportunities, who knows, you know, things. And let's face it, when you are in your 20s, even, even I imagine, even if you go to war, you're thinking you're going to live forever or you, you still have time to do what, whatever it is that you want to do. Maybe you go off and you realize, man, you know, that girl, that girl could have been my one true love, but here I am now and I'm worlds away. But when I get back or when I do, I'm going to do this or I'm going to look her up or I'm going to, I'm going to see a way of finding her. And the next thing you know, you're dead. You've gotten, you've been killed. And this is what happened to this guy. So basically we told her, you know, you need to, every time you feel him around you, uh, because she, she kept feeling him a lot in the, a lot in the bedroom, which was a problem is I said, you need to tell him, look, you're dead. And I'm sorry this happened to you, but you need to go into the light. And we told her, you gotta, you gotta repeat it. He's gonna let go eventually, but it's not the same as when it comes from you because you are the you are his anchor to this thing that's keeping him from moving on. And it's really funny because in reality, they didn't they never had this torrid romance that no went nowhere, but it was one of these things that for some reason tied him that that moment of regret that he could never undo and um the 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 girl in the other group which was the one that she had was her the point of origin as far as communications between them followed up with her and she said that little by little it started to lessen and um as far as this feeling of him around, she says it wasn't right away, but little by little by little. Then she says towards the end that um, that it had kind of decreased to almost nothing. They had, I believe they bought a house and they moved out. They moved out of the apartment. But um, she was, this, this uh, girl was really going, she's pulling her hair out at the beginning because at the beginning she had no idea where this, the origin of this was. She had been living happily in this apartment for a while and all of a sudden it started up. And her first tip-off was that vivid dream that she had with somebody that she hadn't seen in a few years. Um, that it was him. She she says she couldn't make head or tails and she didn't know what to do. Oh, and another thing, that these things only used to happen when she was uh, alone at home with a baby. In other words, when her husband was home, she was like, man, I, I didn't want to be telling him all this stuff because I don't, I don't want him to think I'm going crazy. So it puts a person in a real jam when you're the only one experiencing this. And, I, and I've talked to enough people that, that this is exactly what happens to them. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting, as far as the dousing rods, I used the dousing rods on that. It was very successful. Um, so guys, I hope you like to show with Jim Willis. I urge you to go to his, uh, to his website. You can look up as far as any of his projects, his written works, uh, also is, uh, things that he's got, you know, working on, uh, you could tell this is a gentleman that had after 40 years of basically living his religious life one way, he recognized me. I was kind of limiting myself here. I was wrong or limiting, you know, that's the only way I can think of it. Um, so I'm sure he has a lot of insight into the books that he's written. If I've got a great bunch of guests lined up, new guests, I have some returning guests, but a lot of new guests. 
Again, if you want to listen to any of the podcasts for any of the shows, just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and I have links there where you can listen to the podcast version of the show. Either click it and you can listen it to it on the browser or you can download the MP3 file, but it's without, without commercial interruption. Okay. Um, if, otherwise, I do have links again to the um, the podcast platforms, whether it's iTunes, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeart, all of those. I have links there that you could find the show there because I know everybody has sometimes has their favorite stuff. Uh, again, I'm working. Well, no, I'm almost. It'll soon be here. This is. When I'm not doing the shows, I'm basically finishing this up, the number two of this one, which is Hatem Anakos Left Film Noir Murders number two. Uh, this is the part most people hate, which is, I mean, I have somebody editing my edit, but I still edit it firsthand for a lot of stuff. So I'm in the, that's the drudgery work of writing. That should be out hopefully September 9th, um, available on Amazon. And of course, my website, um, I am considering and I would love to hear from you guys what you think uh, doing a live show for Halloween. I'm not sure yet. Let me know what you think and what you would like to talk. Or, or we, we could just have it what they call open lines. We could talk about anything paranormal. Of course, on Halloween, what better thing is there than talk about the paranormal? Uh, let me know. Send me an email, marlinamimigoschronicles.com if you would like for me to do a live show, a live stream on Halloween. And uh, if I can't get the questions on chat, because I know sometimes I just go crazy, I might even put out a phone number for people to call or text in their questions. Depending. I'm not, I don't know yet how I'm going to handle that. Uh, you know, so something to think about, but I'm open to ideas and suggestions. Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. And again, you can go to NightshadeDiary.com. That's my website for the podcast series, which I do a lot of the old time. I narrate a lot of the old time stories from Weird Tales, um, Lovecraft, you name it. Uh, there's a lot of people that really like those. Robert E. Howard, creator of Conan. Um, things of that nature. If you go to supernaturalstorytime.com, that's the podcast series for scary stories, like regular old scary stories, modern time. I narrate those. So whatever it is that you like, I got your bag, baby. So guys, thank you so much for being part of my audience. You are all absolutely wonderful. And please come back next week and let's spend some time together. Take care.